Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Emerson, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today, we are going to talk all about minimizing. It's one of my favorite things. It's been one of my favorite things for the past couple of years and a journey that I definitely have been working on myself, uh, both personally and professionally and talking about minimizing. So we're going to be sharing how you can do more with less today. Oh, so good. I'm so excited. My car is currently full of boxes, the backseat and the trunk that I need to take and donate because I have been on a minimizing kick lately. And I have to say, it makes me feel so good. But first, we're going to hear a TSH from Michelle W, (laughs) not me. (laughs) Michelle says, wading through all the resources, files, and options when planning for the week. I understand that seems like a terrible complaint when some teachers would do anything for more resources but it can be time consuming to go through all the available options before finally deciding on which ones are best for each day slash lesson. How do you overcome this? Listen, more isn't always better, right? Like, do you agree with that? Like, I I feel like sometimes when I have so much stuff, it almost just fogs my brain down. And I think, you know, going through that process of just trying to minimize stuff and just getting and flushing some of the things out that you know for a fact that you're not going to use and stop saying to yourself, but what if one day, no, if you don't need it now, you don't need it later. If you're going to you got to kind of flush out all of the excess items in order to really be able to focus on what you are trying to accomplish. Yeah, the more I've been learning about just a lot of things lately, I have come to the conclusion that everything in life, it needs to be in the middle, right? It's that whole like too much of even a good thing is a bad thing. And I think about it almost as these two extremes. Having too much and too many resources is just as difficult as not having any. And honestly, I've been in both positions. When I first started teaching in my old district, we had basically nothing. Like we didn't really have a curriculum. We we had nothing. And so starting a lesson from scratch was really, really difficult. And I remember thinking, oh, well, if I just had resources, this would be so much easier. Fast forward, now in my new district, we almost have too many resources. Like we have a curriculum and then we have these extra books that we try to fit in and we have this and that. And when I sit down to plan, I'm like, uh, like it's so overwhelming because there's too many choices, you know? And mm-hmm. I must think about when I go to dinner at the Cheesecake Factory, their menu is like a book. It's literally like a novel and you're flipping through and you're like, oh, well, that sounds good. And then you yep. flip the page, you're like, oh, but, but that sounds good. And having too many options can be just as difficult as not having any. So I definitely feel you, Michelle, that is something that is very difficult. But hopefully today's episode is really going to help you be able to minimize and do more with less. So one of the things that really sparked this, uh, this episode in general was... I was waiting for one of my co-teachers and um, I was just in her classroom. She was gathering all her things together. And guys, she had so many things, like so many things. And I remember when I was that teacher, I have definitely been that teacher that had like three or four different bags and they were filled with all of the different resources, papers, pens, 
all of these different items that I felt as though I had to have with me. But because what if, what if something happened? We have to stop thinking about the what if monster, which by the way, that is a picture book. It's a really good picture book. I highly recommend grabbing it. What if monster? But she had a huge backpack. It was like a Vera Bradley backpack and it was like filled like to the point where, I mean, that sucker, I can't even pick it up with one hand. Like it is a really big full backpack. She had a, like a 30, is it like the 30M? Is that the right one? 31 bags. 31 bags. Thank you. People were probably yelling at me (laughs) over their like AirPods. What? It's not 30M. 30M is like a sticker. My bad. Wait, so 3M. Three. <laughs> you just combined them. <laughs> I did combine them. I'm sorry, guys. But you have she has one of those 31 bags and it's completely filled with items. Then she has a purse, which is also con- filled with more items. And it's like every single afternoon, it's a huge chore to kind of get all of these things together. Um, and I almost think of that as a weight, it's a weight of I have more stuff that I need to be doing. It's like a pressure that we're putting onto ourselves because we're carrying around so much stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Now, I don't carry multiple bags, but that did get me thinking about my teacher bag. I have had a quote unquote teacher bag since I started teaching because that's the thing to do, right? Like every teacher has a bag. And I also started with a 30M, I mean, um, 31 bag when I first started teaching. Michelle, you're so funny. (laughs) Which I feel like those 31 bags, I I wish I could explain this to y'all if you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's it's like a tote bag, but it's like a long rectangle Mm -hmm. and it had lots of pockets like out on the outside. So it was great for storing stuff. And I started with one of those because that was super popular at the time. Lately, I feel like it has shifted to backpacks, which I'm perfectly okay with. So for the past couple of years, I've had a backpack. Mm -hmm. I carry it back and forth. Well, up until this year, because this year I've been teaching virtually, I would carry it to and from school every single day. And it was a lot more necessary when I first started teaching and I was doing a lot of work at home. However, I've gotten to the point now where I tend to not touch anything school related when I get home. Like I I just don't. Yet I'm still carrying this backpack back and forth. And it finally hit me where I was like, why am I doing this? Like I carry this backpack home. I put it like inside the door when I get home and then I don't touch it until the next morning when I go to leave to my car. And I'm like, why am I even carrying this? Yeah. I mean, the only thing in there that I really need is like my badge because I would keep that in one of the pockets. But otherwise, like I don't need to be carrying this bag. I did it because it became a routine. But when I really sat down and thought about it, it's like I don't I don't need to carry this. Well, and I also think that we put our we put a lot of pressure on ourselves of saying we I need to be doing more. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. Like yep. it's not necessarily that we have to. It's that we feel this this inner desire to want to do more or mm-hmm. that we have to do more in order to be successful in all areas of our lives. Yep. So it's almost like we're carrying all this stuff as a constant reminder of you should be doing this. You should not be sitting on that couch and enjoying a Netflix show. You should be working on whatever is in that 31 bag. Like, And it's not... 
it's not okay that we keep doing that to ourselves. I think more than anything else, while we're going to kind of give you some ideas of areas that you are going to be able to truly minimize, this episode is more of like an inspirational I'm hoping to like, you know, light a fire underneath that rear of yours to get you to start to really minimize and think about the stuff that you're carrying with you back and forth every single day. Because let's be honest, we don't have to have it. We don't have to. No. And I think our society in general really glamorizes or glorifies Mm -hmm. being busy. And in reality, it's not something to be proud of. In fact, you know, there's a lot of those books. um, What's the Tim Ferriss one? Like the four hour work week. And like, that's what more of us need to strive for. It's not about the amount of time we spend doing stuff. It should be about our efficiency, right? Like being able to do more with less, which is exactly what this episode is surrounding. So let's start by talking about why is this important, right? Like why does it matter? Why do we need to do more with less. As Bridget already said, when you minimize your stuff, you're going to feel that baggage or that heaviness lifted. And that's going to help reduce stress. Um, I already mentioned my car is full of stuff that I need to donate. I have been going through and purging lately. Like I've just been in a mood where I'm like, I want to get rid of the stuff. And y'all, the satisfaction I feel mm-hmm. <laughs> is astounding. I mean, I walk downstairs now and just by seeing everything kind of more opened up because I've really minimized like what I have out like for decor and whatnot. But I just walk downstairs now and it's like, like I just feel so much better. You know, I have kind of a similar journey, Michelle, because I think over the past, I want to say, has it been like a year? I want to say it's been a year where I have really started to kind of clean out my closet, my clothing. Um, And for me, it's been for a couple of different reasons. One, I am on a journey of kind of redefining myself. I think I'm getting older in life. Let's just be real. I am like, I'm in, I'm mid thirties. Oh, I'm mid thirties. Technically we're all getting older literally every day. I know, (laughs) I know, I know. But I am in that kind of, that a time in my life where it's like I'm not dressing the same way same way that I was dressing when I was in my 20s. I I just can't. My body has changed. I've had two kids and I am looking to um kind of represent myself in a different way. And so what I've been doing is I've been really minimizing my clothing and I've been really focusing on purchasing pieces that I think are timeless that can be uh, mixed and matched with a multiple different uh, bottoms and tops and all of these other different pieces. And so for me, it was identifying some really few staple pieces, investing in those staple pieces and being able to mix and match them. And I like this like minimized closet because one, it makes it way more easier for me to get ready. And, And two, everything kind of goes together. So I really can kind of play with all of these different pieces, but not have as much stuff. It makes it less overwhelming when I'm walking into my closet to figure out what is it that I'm going to wear tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what I hear you saying is it allows you to be more creative. It's going to help you find new ways to use what you already have. And I think that's very true within teaching as well. When you minimize what you have, you can become more creative and find those new ways to use it. I like that. Oh, well, well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And then I think the last reason it's really important is it's going to help you focus on that want versus need right? Yes. 
I think about all the impulse buys, both personally and as a teacher, that have wasted money and (laughs) wasted space, right? Like I bought it either because I saw other people buying it or in the moment when I saw it at the store, I'm like, ooh, that's cute. I want it. But the reality is I don't need it. And so I think really focusing on what's important and trying to focus on the need instead of the want is going to, again, help to be able to minimize your stuff, help you feel less stressed and allow you to be more creative with what you already have. And, you know, I kind of think about and and this has kind of just been my journey in teaching. And so I'll be very curious to hear what you think. And I think at some point we've had this conversation, but I'm also curious to, to hear from, you know, all of you guys out there. I want to know your perspective on this. But I think as teachers, we try to buy things because we want to make um, education fun, right? Mm-hmm. We want to make learning fun for our kids. And that's great. I think that's wonderful. We want to make education fun and exciting every single day. We want our kids to love to come to school every day. But here is my problem with that idea of always having to make everything a hoot nanny. Life is not. I know. I know. I know. Talk about getting older. I know. I feel (laughs) you stinker. But I feel like life is not a hootenanny. Life is boring in some sense. And there is something very peaceful and serene with being able to just be still. Mm hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're trying to glorify life for our kids if we're constantly trying to make everything, you know, super fun and super engaging. They're going to walk into life thinking that's what it should be every single day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when they're not able to deal with the still, the boring, the mundane, you know, are we really preparing them for life? Are we are we getting our kids ready for what's really what they should be expecting? Do you know what I mean? No, I think that's a phenomenal point. And we didn't have this in the notes to go into, but I want to dive into this because that makes me think a lot about how kids today, which I feel old now saying that. But I know I think about growing up. My parents did not entertain me, right? And I know you've made right. this comment before. Like, I'm not a clown. I'm not here to entertain my kids. It was a lot of me playing by myself or with my friends. But it was a lot of, like, imagination, right? I mean, taking yeah. simple stuff and making it into something fun. I have this distinct memory, which I feel like if my parents knew I was doing this, I probably would have gotten in trouble because it was really dangerous. But I I got really good at riding my bike with no hands. Like, I could turn 180 degrees with no hands on my bike. Like it was legit. At one point I tied a jump rope onto the handles and I was pretending that I was riding a horse. So like they were the reins. Um, and I used to ride my bike like that. So suddenly my bike and a jump rope became a horse, right? Like my parents didn't need to go out and buy like a fake horse that I would get on. Like I literally used a jump rope and my bike. Whereas I feel like kids now it's like they constantly need to be entertained. And it's part of that instant gratification, right? Like I want it and I want it now. And I feel like it's making kids less imaginative, less creative. And and I, they don't persevere through things because think about how many times you had to try to ride your bike without no hands. Yeah, I mean, I was you kind of a I mean? natural, how long it but took you. no, I'm just all kidding. Right. I'm well, kidding. not all of us are natural. <laughs> but no, you're but exactly I mean, right. They don't want to persevere. They don't have the grit, I think, anymore. And I, I often will say, you know, this is like an iPad, 
You know, if you think about the apps on an iPad, there are so many free apps that are out there that it's so easy for a kid to be able to say, well, this got too hard. I'm going to move on to my a mm-hmm. new app mm-hmm. because it's free. We think, oh, it's not a big deal. But really, what are we teaching our kids mm-hmm. that it's OK to give up when something gets hard? Yep. And it's OK when you're not getting that satisfaction anymore to be able to move on to the next thing. And so it kind of going all the way back, and I know we went on a little bit of a tangent, but going all the way back to this idea of minimizing and minimizing things in teaching as well is that we have to really be okay with the boring. And we really have to hear, listen for the piece. I know that's weird for me to kind of say that, but that's almost what I do is I listen for peace. I listen, I, I like to be still and I like to enjoy the quiet moments um, and enjoy the boring times because to me, that is when I'm truly living because that's that's my general life, right? Every day is not going to be a huge hoot and nanny. And I think, you know, we buy things to be able to glorify and to make things wonderful. But what really you're teaching your kids that you're going to you're almost kind of teaching them to be hoarders, right? You're teaching them to go out and just purchase a bunch of stuff just to get that instant gratification. Um, when we should be teaching them to utilize imagination, creativity, um, and the resources that we do have available to be able to create something spectacular. Yeah. Honestly, what you said about us buying things to make learning fun really hit hard for me because, again, as I'm going through and trying to clean stuff out in my house, I've come across a lot of stuff that I've bought for teaching that I'm holding on to. And now literally hearing you say that, I'm like, I need to get rid of that because there are so many things that I bought for that exact reason. I bought it to be able to play a game with my kids, to be able to do something fun and It makes me think of that phrase, is the juice worth the squeeze? And is it worth it to spend money on this game or this item that I'm going to use for for one lesson every year? One lesson. Is that worth it? It costs money. It's taking up space. I can find other ways to do that. I mean, I'm thinking right now, I know... At Target in the summertime a few years ago, they had these inflatable like games. And so I had these inflatable dice. Yep. Inflatable (laughs) dice. I had inflatable like bowling set. I've barely used them at all. And I bought them because I thought, oh, well, I can do something with this one day. No, like I, I haven't. I haven't. And the reality is like, I don't need to have these big inflatable bowling pins in order to have fun with my kids. I think about one of their favorite games. Obviously, right now it's you know, up in the air because of COVID, but I would always play basketball with them. Now I did go the extra step and I have actual like little mini basketballs and I have a, a little trash can that looks like a basketball hoop. But the reality is I could literally play this with some balled up pieces of paper and a trash can I already have. And it's still fun for them, but I'm getting more creative. I'm, I'm having my kids, Hey y'all, I know this is a trash can, but we're going to pretend it's a basketball hoop. And you know, it's really focusing on using what you already have just in a new way. So let's, Let's deviate now, Bridget. Let's talk about how do we do this, right? How do we minimize what we're using? Okay, so here's the thing. It's kind of like a dumping game. (laughs) And I think Trent will totally understand this because I am a huge dumper. When I go to start to minimize things, guys, I take everything and I just dump it and I kind of sort through it. I make a bigger mess before it actually even gets any better. So it gets worse before it gets better type feel. 
Um, and so you have to take everything that you have and basically just kind of dump it into one area. You almost got to think of like the hoarder shows. I really enjoy those shows. Like it really hurts my heart for those people. And I really feel for them because I know some of them are really going through a lot of mental health issues that, you know, they need help with. Um, and they and they can't really let it go. It's almost like that moment where they're just like, no, I, I, I can't let it go because, you know, they have this uh, connection to that physical piece of item. And so, you know, you got to think about the hoarder shows, three, think about the Marie Kondo, think about all of those different pieces and really just ask yourself, you know, do you really need to have it? What other ways can I be creative with this one item? Um, you really have to figure out what you have used and what you haven't. So determine what are the things that you really want to get rid of. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to do that with clothes, because I think clothes is something we all can relate to in terms of we get to the point where we have too many and we need to get rid of them. You Mm -hmm. can actually turn the hangers. So y'all it's, you know, basically toward the beginning of a new start of a new year, take all of your hangers and instead of hanging them, you know, from the outside, hang them underneath so that the opening of the hanger is facing you. And as you wear the clothes, put the hangers back on the normal way. So by the end of the year, whichever hangers are still turned backwards, that means you never wore that article of clothing throughout the year. And that can really help you decide what do I need to keep and what do I need to get rid of? Um, Bridget, for Christmas, actually got a blanket made of all of these t-shirts from her old school, which to me is a great way to be able to repurpose it. I can understand having these sentimental items, not wanting to get rid of them, right? Like old teaching t-shirts, you don't want to get rid of them. They have sentimental value. How could you repurpose it so that you could use it in a new way? Bridget had hers made into a blanket. So that way she can still see them. She can still enjoy them, but they're not taking up room in her closet. So there are three different things or areas in your life that you can really kind of think about minimizing. So we're going to talk about each of these three different areas. The first is going to be digital files. Um, I think in the last episode, I mentioned how I need to kind of go through my my Google Drive and really start to minimize some of the things that I have inside of that. But Google Drive will basically tell you when something was last edited or accessed. So you can press the circle um, that has an I in the top right-hand corner, and it will tell you when it was last modified, opened, or even created. And so sorting through some of those digital files and really kind of uh, clearing some of those out I can assure you that when you go through this process, it's almost like a weight is lifted and there's really nothing because it's digital, right? So you're kind of like, oh, you know, it it makes it so much more easy to go in and feel focused in on the specific area. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I go into my Google Drive and right now it's not cleaned out, so I have to kind of clean it out. But I almost get a little overwhelmed because I have so many different files, so many different things that I I could possibly use for an activity. And it's like, do I really need all of this? Like when was the last one that I used? And I can't remember which one was the last one that I used. So cleaning out some of those digital files will, I think, really kind of help your headspace as you're going through in your planning and you're looking for different items or activities. Yeah. The next area is going to be those physical files, which Mm. some of you may not have any at all. Um, Some of you may have only physical files. Maybe you haven't jumped into that world of digital yet, which if that's you, I highly recommend going back, listen to episode 055. We share five of our top organizational tools and we really suggest that you try those out, you know, one at a time. But 
if you do still have physical files, some suggestions, you could put a sticky note on the binder or the specific page within the binder after you've used it. So again, by the end of the year, you can go through if there's pages that don't have a sticky note on them or there's binders that don't have a sticky note on them, that means you didn't use it all year. You need to either recycle them or give them to another teacher. If it's something that maybe you were given by a teacher before you, I know that's how I got a lot of my digital files. If you're not using it because everyone's teaching style is different, Okay, you don't have to use every material you're given. Maybe there's a new teacher in your building who would really benefit from it because maybe they need more resources. Think back to that TSH. I mean, having too many resources is a pain, but so is not having any resources. So you could gift it to another teacher and that way it takes it off of you and it's helping someone else. Yep. And then the last area is going to be those physical materials. Um, I'm going to go back to the backpack into the 31 bag. If you have pins in your backpack or in that 31 bag and you have pins at home, do you really need to be taking both of them back and forth? Do you really need to have that those pins inside of your backpack to take them back and forth? Um, you don't need to carry your life with you. You don't need to have the weight of all of the things that you're worried or stressed about on your shoulders at all times. You know, think of this as almost a, a way of just kind of relaxing and taking all that pressure off of yourself, cleaning out your bags, cleaning out physical materials, cleaning out the things that are around you that constantly remind you of the things that you have going on. Once you kind of process all of that, it's going to make you feel so much less stressed and you're going to have a new desire, a new motivation to want to really get things done. You're going to feel rejuvenated in some ways. Yeah. And going back to those different digital tools, the more you can make digital, the easier it's going to be. I know Bridget Mm -hmm. basically just carries her iPad or her laptop like back and forth because everything's on there, right? Like she, she doesn't even need pens because the grading and stuff that she's doing tends to be within her learner management system, which she accesses on her iPad. So the more you can make digital, the more it's going to help minimize the physical materials that you have. So our last tip for you is to stop saving stuff to use in the future. Y'all, okay? When I say this, I'm thinking of those toilet paper rolls, and I hope there's at least someone else out there who knows exactly what I'm talking about. This started when I taught second grade, because when you teach second grade or primary grades in general, you tend to do a lot of artsy, crafty things. Well, I started saving toilet paper rolls. Did I know what I was going to use them for? Nope. But I thought there's going to be some time in the future where my kids are going to need toilet paper rolls and I'm going to have them. Bridget, Billy, Howie stayed with me through this. I don't even know. I had bags and bags of toilet paper rolls that I had been saving. Bags of them for like two years and I never used them. And so finally I just recycled them. I was like, why am I keeping these? Okay. Instead of saving that stuff to possibly maybe use in the future, don't save it. If the time comes when you do need it, find other ways to get what you need. Can you have parents donate? I guarantee you, if I did need those toilet paper rolls, if I sent an email out to all my families and I said, hey, would you mind donating toilet paper rolls? I would have enough within like two days. I didn't need to spend years saving it. And I think a lot of, um, and I know for me, I had uh, a 
a really hard time sometimes. There were certain years that it was really hard to get parents to send things in. But here's the thing, you gotta kind of do a little bit of the work for them. So you gotta make it just a little bit easier for parents. And so one really great way to be able to get those donations is on a, you can go to your grocery store and ask them to send, give you a bunch of paper bags, or you can use like sandwich bags, whichever one, depending on what is the item that you're asking for. And on that paper bag, staple a sheet of paper of what you're requesting and send those bags with the with your students because then that family could just have that bag there and they can just place the items inside of it. You're already kind of relieving some of the work of having to send that item to school for parents because you're giving them the bag, you're giving them the reminder, there's the physical thing that says, hey, I really, really need these things. And I promise you it will make things so much easier and you will get more items. So there, where there's a wheel, will, guys, there is definitely a way to be able to do that. I love that. And Billy says that all the time because... So his real name is William. I call him Billy along with all of his family. But at work, he goes by Will. And he always loves saying, well, there's a Will. There's a way. Um, oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. That's Corey. <laughs> I know. Well, so is most of the things with him. But <laughs> one last note on this. If you don't want to just get rid of it, like if that's hard for you, I get it. Find ways to use up what you have. This was my life over winter break. I started cleaning <laughs> under my bathroom sink. Bridget's laughing because she already knows this story. And um, I tend to hoard like bath products, you know, like bath bombs, uh, body wash, lotions, face masks. I just hold on to it. And this started when I was little. Like I used to keep, <laughs> this is so bad. I can't believe I'm admitting this. I used to keep those little hotel samples of shampoo and conditioner and body wash and whatever else. Every time I went to a hotel, I would take them. Like my family was not allowed to use them. I would take them with me to the point where I had an entire container full of them. I guess my idea was, well, if someone comes over, then I have this for them to use. Y'all, I was seven. People were not coming over and needed that stuff. Like, no. And, and it all ended up expiring. Like, so anyway, this goes way back. I decided I'm going to use up all of these bath products that I have. So my winter break consisted of me taking a bath pretty much every day. So I could use a bath bomb and I could use bath salts and I could put on a face mask and I could use my sugar scrubs that I had. And then I would then get into the shower and I would use my body wash and like it literally became like a game of how much stuff can I use up. And and by the end of the week, I want to have all of this stuff gone. And it was so enjoyable because it was like self-care, but I also felt such satisfaction by like clearing all of that out. Like it felt like an accomplishment, which is really sad. It's almost like when you finish a Netflix show and you're like, oh, I feel like I've been so productive. And in reality, you haven't been, but you feel like you have because you've checked something off a list. So if you don't want to just get rid of it, find ways to use up what you have so that it's gone, but you're also using it, if that makes sense. I have to say, I have to say, Michelle, you, your skin does look <laughs> just so soft and young. I didn't even pay her to say that, but your text in the mail, Bridget. <laughs> So when we really think about minimizing, okay, because we're on this journey of doing more with less, 
we also want to think about how it really helps us build that separation between home and work because it goes back to that backpack that I saw with my partner and she has all this stuff and so she's kind of carrying the weight of school and she's taking it home with her and it was that it's that sense of that you're constantly feeling as though you should be working on stuff and you get that teacher guilt right that teacher guilt of I can't believe I'm here at home enjoying my time when I should be doing something else for school. And I have to tell you guys a really quick story of another another thing that just kind of went along with this. So right before Christmas break, uh, we had to go virtual. It was about uh, the week and a half before we were about to go on break. And we had really skyrocketed in our cases of COVID. And so I remember us having meetings about a week before it happened. We would have a meeting almost every single day and our principals would basically be telling us, make sure you're taking things home every day as if you're not coming back. You need to make sure you have everything you need at home because when we're closed, that building gets closed down and no one can come back because they have to do the cleaning. So I remember kind of sitting in my room and just kind of looking around and saying, well, what do, what what do I need what do I need to take with me like why what would I really need at home and the only other thing I could think of other than my iPad my laptop which are the items that I carry with me back and forth to school every single day was my read aloud book that was it it was just one other thing that I felt like if I had to go virtual tomorrow The only other thing that I need to have is my read aloud book. I can make learning happen, maybe not the way that I would have, right? And I think that's another thing is we got to stop trying to make things be like something else. Maybe not to the extent that I would have in person, but I can still make learning happen even when I'm at home with just my laptop and my iPad. So we have to kind of consider and really think about building systems where we use less things to be able to get more things done. Um, One of the really big things that I've also started to do this year, and I've kind of thought about getting one, and I I wanted to tell Trent that I wanted this for Christmas, but I think I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait on it. I, I have started to use Kindles more instead of buying the physical book. Now, I love reading. Reading is like my life. I love being a reading teacher. So books are great. I love the feel, the smell of a physical book. I am that weird person that opens a book and smells it because I love the smell of it. However, I don't feel as though I use my professional development books when they're so big, so they're so clunky and I have to carry them back and forth. So having a Kindle version, I've been able to do more reading and really focus on my growth as a professional because I'm not having to carry around that big, huge book. I feel as though because I'm not carrying that around, I'm doing more with less if that makes sense. No, that that totally does. And I think it's important to mention it's not about like Bridget's not saying get rid of all your PD books, no more professional development for you. Like you can still have the PD (laughs) books, but how can you have them in a way where it's not going to take up physical space? Well, you can have an electronic version of it. I feel like as teachers, we have put this big emphasis on stuff and it's almost like the more stuff you have, the better you are when we know that that's not true. But social media has created this 
idea of you need to have stuff. You need to have the perfect classroom. You need to have X, Y, and Z in order to be considered effective. And it's just not true. But what it ends up causing is it blurs that separation between work and home because you're constantly going, well, wait, did I forget this at school? Did I forget it at home? Your house is overrun with teaching materials. And Mm -hmm. it's like when you leave work, you're not really leaving work because when you come home, you've brought stuff home with you. You have a bunch of teaching stuff at home and you feel like you're still on the clock. So when you can reduce that amount of stuff, you're going to feel less stressed. You're going to be more organized and you're going to be better able to turn off your work brain when you leave work. And when you come home, you're going to feel like you are now in a different space and you're not surrounded by teaching anymore. And going back to this idea of if more things are digital, it's going to make it easier to forget about school when you get home. If you're bringing home these physical materials like books or papers to grade, you're looking at it all the time. But if it's on your computer, you can kind of forget about it and focus on your personal life. I know Mm -hmm. I have separate Google accounts, right? I have my school Google account and I have my personal slash business Google account. I log into the account on the Chrome browser. So at the end of the day, I will switch from my work Chrome browser to my business slash personal one. So I'm not looking at the bookmarks. I'm not seeing my work email bookmark and going, ooh, I should probably check that. Instead, I'm seeing all of my bookmarks that have to do with my home life or my business life. And that's what my brain then chooses to focus on. So the more things you can make digital, the easier it's going to be to create that separation between work and home. And this is really the first step to limiting the amount of time you spend on school stuff. Now, we're going to dive deeper into this in the next episode, 057. We're going to talk about how to work only contract hours. Ooh, big one. Big one. Keep in mind what we're talking about in this episode is very similar, right? Like this is kind of that stepping stone and it's going to help you be able to better conquer the things we're going to discuss in the next episode. Yeah. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you guys are notified notified whenever we drop our next episode because it's going to be a goodie, guys. Like it's really, really good. I'm excited. And then while you are on our website, um, checking out Teaching on the Double and seeing what Michelle and I are up to, uh, that's a great place to go. We want you to submit your TSH. We want to know what is your time sucking hurdle right now so that we can have more episodes that are geared towards the things that you're really, really struggling with because we're here to really help guide you through this process of being able to really have that work-life separation, that balance in life. Um, also, make sure to leave a review over on iTunes. We love to hear your uh, comments and your thoughts about what we are doing here on this podcast. And until next time, my friends, be timely. Well, that's usually mine. Be timely. Oh, dang it. It's okay. Hold on. So until next time, my friends. Be timely. Stay organized. And be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.